In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. This is Live La Belladita with your host, Don Catherine. If you're looking to know all the latest beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. Do you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense? This is your show. It's Live La Belladita on Toginet with Dawn Catherine. If you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes from the vine to the bottle, if you love Italian food and want to learn Nana's recipes, you enjoy travel and want to know the best luxury destinations and resorts, love spending time with La Familia, does your business or passion allow you to live La Bella Vita? Let's find out. All that and a little more with an Italian flair. This is Live La Bella Vita on Togina.com. And now, here's your host, Don Catherine. Welcome to the Bella Vita Show. I'm Don Catherine, your hostess with the mostess. I hope you have poured yourself a glass of wine and are ready for another great show tonight. If you are listening live to the show, thank you for tuning in. If you're listening on a podcast, thank you for downloading my podcast to the Bella Vita Show. If you don't know that you can do that because you're listening live, just know you can go to my show page at Toginet and uh, you can download the podcast there. Or if you want to download it via iTunes, you can do that as well. Just go to Apple uh, iTunes, go into the search, put in La Bella Vita or my name, Dawn Catherine, and uh, do a little searchy search and go down to where the podcasts are listening, uh, listed, and you can find my podcast right there. And you subscribe for free and you get to listen to all my shows as you should because they are full of lots of information about travel and beauty and all things good and all things Italian. So take some time and download my podcast thank you and you can leave me a note and uh, if you have a suggestion for a show or if you have any comments about my show then you can leave them right there on itunes so thanks for doing that so it's been a busy week lots going on I just will have you know, I know that everybody thinks I'm a little bit of a princess and a little bit of a diva, and everybody is very surprised to know that I'm actually a sports fanatic. I love sports. Love me some football today. First kickoff for the football season. Yay! Uh, you know, and I love my basketball and love my baseball. Go Red Sox and basketball. Go Celtics. And, you know, the football is all about the Patriots. But I have done the first thing that I have ever done in my life as a sports fan. I actually joined a football pool today, first time. So uh, I'm really hoping that I have, like, beginner's luck and I, like, win many, many, many times because it's going to be, like, a lot of money if I win. I think, like, four or 500 bucks if I win. So... Yay for me. So uh, I don't know what the final score of the game is <laughs> between the Giants and Dallas. And even know that I am so not a Giants fan because, of course, they beat my Patriots in the Super Bowl uh, this past year. I actually uh, rooted for the Giants to win because I thought they would kick Dallas's butt. Sorry about that, 
uh, my Anna down in Texas, who is my um, producer, who might be a Dallas fan. I hope that you're not mad. But um, anyway, so I rooted against Dallas. I don't know what the score is, but please, God, please let let the let the New York Giants win. You'll never, ever, ever hear me say that ever again. Okay, so enough about that. But like, I'm so excited. Uh, my uh, producer's telling me I'm in trouble now, so oh, I'm in trouble. So if it, this show like has lots of like inconsistencies and I get cut off, it's she's just getting me back for rooting against her Dallas Cowboys. Anyway, um, so gosh, there's so much going on. We had the RNC, the Republican National Convention was down in Tampa, about an hour away from where I live. This week we have the Democratic National Convention up there in Charlotte, North Carolina, just to the north of Florida. So lots going on uh, with that. And I think that uh, I listened to Miss Romney's speech. I think she looked great that night and um, listened to Michelle Obama last night, thought she did fantastic, just got done listening to Bill Clinton. He was fantastic. So uh, it's been really good. And and I I love a great debate between the Republicans and the Democrats and seeing them duke out about who's, you know, telling the truth about what. So in the end, we can all just hope that the person who is supposed to be in that job ends up in the job. That's all I can say. So what else is going on? So, you know, Snooki from New Jersey Shore finally had her baby. She gave birth to what she is calling her little meatball, Lorenzo. And let me just say, I really am just praying that um, having a child brings her to another level of... Um, compassion and um, just knowing that maybe there's different ways to conduct yourself in life. I guess that's the way I should put it. But no, I'm really happy for her. She looks ecstatic and her and her boyfriend are really adorable. I mean, she's cute and he's adorable. So I'm sure they're going to make a really pretty, pretty baby. So congratulations to Snooki and uh, sad news coming out of Jersey Shore people. This is going to be the last season. No more Jersey Shore after this. So um, my boy, Polly D, who is from Johnston, Rhode Island, which is one town away from me, um, he might need to, like, get a job now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's actually a really, you know big dj now so he's 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 all set he don't he he doesn't need a real job anymore uh so kelly ripa in the morning show you know regis retired several months ago and she was co-host lists and uh they just announced that michael strahan is going to be her new co-host so i think that's going to be really a great combination he's hilarious and i think they have great chemistry together they play off each other really well so congrats to michael strahan and i'm excited for the, you know, first show and all that. And uh, sad news to report on two fronts. First of all, Michael Clark Duncan, who, great actor, 54, unfortunately suffered a heart attack last month, just has never recovered and passed away yesterday. And I loved him. He was in The Green Mile. He's been in so many different shows. And I just thought he was a great actor. And it's such a loss. And uh, he was uh, engaged to Omarosa, who found fame on uh, The Apprentice. And uh, she is said to be inconsolable over his death. And just that's just so sad to hear. Um, 
so peace and blessings to his family and his friends. Uh, it's definitely a loss. And one of my child icons when I was growing up, Judy Bloom, who wrote Dini and Forever and all of those coming of age uh, little books that we all read when we were like 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, she, she just announced that she's battling breast cancer. So I just want to send my loving blessings out to her for a recovery uh, with her breast cancer. Very sad. And uh, so I saw The Hunger Games for the first time, rented the DVD the other day, and uh, I actually liked it much more than I expected, so I thought it was really kind of cool. And I have to say, in college, um, when I was studying humanities, I had to watch, we watched lots of movies, actually, in humanities, and one of the movies that I had to watch was this old, old, old movies from the, like, 1950s, I believe. It was called The Lottery, and... Uh, um, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just had such a profound effect on me because ultimately what the lottery was was the whole entire town came and everybody's name was put in a bowl and the person's name that got pulled literally was like stoned to death. And, um, of course, it's a spectator sport when it's not you or your loved one who is being hurt or harmed, but it's different when it's actually your name gets pulled and uh, you're the one who has to go in and your family has to deal with that so it was it, it reminded me when I watched the Harden games it reminded me of that movie and uh, I just thought it was just kind of crazy and I just have to say though that the Elizabeth Banks who played a part in that movie she had great clothes in the movie kind of futuristic but kind of cool I just thought that was really really um fashion forward and the guy that was the host of the hunger games like not stanley tucci the other guy i don't even know what his name is but he had this really funky uh, beard thing going on i just want to say i thought it was really hot and i think i'm really surprised that it didn't start a trend because i thought it was really sexy so i don't know maybe maybe i need to start telling people that they need to have the hunger games uh goatee-ish mustache beard thing with crazy angles going on um so the other movie that i got to see just recently was the queen of versailles and it's a movie about billionaire david single and his wife jacqueline who happened to live in the town that is right next to mine which is windermere florida and uh, it is a story about the rise and the fall of this timeshare giant. He literally was the person who brought timeshare into a concept that was accepted around the United States and ultimately the world. And uh, it was really a great documentary. I highly recommend that you go and see it because it really it follows the couple. They were going, they were building a 90,000 square foot house that was reminiscent and inspired in part by the Versailles Palace in France. And uh, unfortunately, when they started this film, you know, they were in the process of building it, but then uh, the real estate market collapsed and uh, everything kind of started to go haywire. So their businesses started to 
decline and they were living this, you know, glamorous life with 20 people on their staff and then they were down to four. So it's quite uh, interesting. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that when we get back to break. But tonight's show is all about wine. We're going to take a nice little tour of Central Italy, Tuscany. We're going to talk about all the different wines that are in the Tuscany region, uh, the different grapes that make all of these different wines. And I'm going to just give you another general overview of Italy and the wines and how the different regions are indicated and all of that good stuff. So we'll see you on the other side of the break of the La Bella Vita show. This is Don Catherine. If you have anything that you want to say to me, give me a call at one 864 4869 Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Bésame, bésame mucho. Join host Kalen Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kalen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kalen will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. What's ideal for you? Really, what's ideal for you? Being who you are, doing what you love, and getting out and about with friends. What's ideal for you? With your host, Janice Christopher, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. And it all starts with Janice doing just that. Then being open, curious, authentic, and living her life on a quest to discover everything that could possibly make life ideal. Check out the website, whatsidealforyou.com. Studies have shown that 80% of Americans, and probably everyone else too, dislike their work. 80%. The mission then is to turn that passion statistic around. To show how it is possible to live your passions and make a living. Or live your passions so that you'll be able to mush through your job until you can change it. And watch life's magic begin to happen. It's What's Ideal for You with your host Janice Christopher. Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. And from thence, I had great desire to see Italy and came to Venice and from thence to Florence where I played before the Duke and got great favors. 
If it's good enough for Sting, it's good enough for us. This is Live La Bella Vita on Toginet. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita, all with an Italian flair. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. It's Live La Bella Vita, and here again is your host, Don Catherine. Welcome back. This is Don Catherine. This is La Bella Vita Show. And uh, before we went to break, I was telling you about the movie The Queen of Versailles, which is a documentary that came out a few weeks ago about Jackie and David Siegel. Uh, David Siegel is a billionaire timeshare magnet. <laughs> and uh, this documentary was set out to chronicle the building of their 90,000 square foot house that was in Inspired by the uh, the by Versailles and uh, France, and um, it was going to be the biggest house in the United States. And of course, um, the real estate bubble went, and uh, kind of they started losing a lot, and uh, the economy hit them very, very, very hard. And uh, it kind of just chronicles them in this whole decline in their lifestyle, having to change from having 19 staff members uh, down to four and just, you know, going from flying on a private jet to flying coach and just, um, you know, it's funny. Instead of a rags to rich stories, it's a kind of a riches to rags story. Of course, they are far from rags because when you're still living in a 26,000 square foot home, um, in one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in all of Florida. I think you're still not doing quite that bad. Um, but uh, it's definitely a great uh, documentary to go see. So if it is in your area, definitely check it out. I will say that even though they have a lot of money, and I've had the opportunity to meet both David Siegel and Jackie Siegel personally before, uh, they are very nice people. They are very philanthropic. They you know, support a lot of charities. And I really think that um, through it all, Jackie really, really just kind of has this really sweet sense of humor through all of this. And uh, her husband seems to get a little more isolated, but she just, there's something about her that you just can't help to to embrace. And it's just kind of funny. So if you have a chance to go see it, I definitely would uh, encourage you to do so. So my incantatos, we're going to do a real quickly so we can start going on our little tour of Tuscany. Um, my fashion icons this week have to be um, Michelle Obama and Ann Romney. Ann Romney wore this beautiful classic red Oscar de Laurenta gown and uh, she wore a great shade of red lipstick and I have scoured the internet to find out what shade it is and what brand, and nobody is talking. Um, so I can't share that information with you. But if anybody happens to know, please let me know. My only complaint is that she should have wore a little lip gloss with that red. But besides that, I thought she looked really classy and beautiful. And, I, of course, Michelle Obama rocked the house last night in her pink 12-sleeveless Tracy Reese dress. And she had some J. Crew heels on and pink. She was great. And she had um, this purple gray uh, nail polish on that people have been talking about all day today. And uh, it is the color is called Vogue and it is from Artistic Nail Design. So if you want to uh, go out, it is 
by the way, a gel manicure cure um, nail polish. So you probably will have to go and get it done at a salon to get that particular color because uh, it, it being gel, you need to have the light to process that just to let you know. And tonight, Chelsea Clinton was there to uh, support her dad and she looked fantastic tonight. She had this really nice, cute little green sleeveless dress on. She looks so great. Um, my wine pick of the week is Jadia Vecchia Vino Nobile Reserva. It's a 2004. It sells for about $26 a bottle has aromas of dried cherry, raspberry, blackberry. It's medium-bodied with a silky texture and a clean, tasty finish. So check that one out. And it's from the area that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty cool. And I just want to give you a fact because, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been giving you some different information about wine grapes. And since that's what this show is about, I'm going to give you a little bit of other facts. And this is wine by the numbers. 80 bottles of wine is the average number of wine that an Italian consumes per year. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, I think that number is very low. And uh, 50 pounds, minimal pulling forced, required to move a cork from a bottle of wine using a waiter's corkscrew. I think that's pretty interesting. 600 to 800 is of the approximate number of grapes needed to produce a single bottle of wine. And there are nearly 900,000 registered vineyards in Italy. 900,000 people. That is a lot. That's like almost a million. That is just crazy. Okay, I know it's like 100,000 short, but clearly it's closer to the million than, you know, half a million. Um, and there's over a thousand great varieties in Italy. That's a lot of different varieties, which means you can really have a variety of different kinds of wine and all these stuff, which is why you see now, and it's becoming a lot more acceptable to have a lot of these blended wines with it. You see it now with the Super Tuscans. We're going to talk about that tonight. But I'm one of those people who will combine wines. You know, you see a lot of that now, the, you know, the Merlot with the Cabernet together. I do it all the time. I take a little bit of Chianti with something else and I mix them and I know that it's really sacrilege in the wine. You know, wine people say you shouldn't do that, but uh, unless the actual vineyard itself does it, uh, yeah, I have no shame in my game. I do what I want to do, and uh, usually it comes out really, really well. So um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of overview of Italy and the wine, and I actually said this and talked about this and read this actually for you guys last week, uh, but I do want to go over it again. So if you happen to have not caught the show last week, you can kind of understand some of the terminology that we're talking about. Um, Italy is one of the world's premier wine exports. It is practically a nation of vines, and yet the majority of the selections produced are largely unfussy, simple table wines meant to be enjoyed with meals. Still, changes in the last 25 years have finally occurred, and it is in the heart of the boot-shaped country that some of the pure stars of the wine universe are produced. Italian wines are changing their image, and wine consumers are noticing. Italy is the world's largest producer and consumer of wine. Uh, yeah, I think that just... It should apply to America, too, because if you have the Italian-American communities, I think we kind of, we, we probably consume a lot, too, but I digress. 
um, vines carpet all 20 of its regions um, from the snow-covered peaks of the Alto Adige to Apulia, the forgotten toe of Italy, even offshore to the islands of Sicily and Sardinia. Statistics are staggering. 4,000 years of winemaking history, 20 wine regions, 96 provinces, 1,000 plus grape varieties, 4,200 or more wine styles, and over 2 million wine producers. Add these to head-spinning numbers that there is no simple way to decipher an Italian wine label. The most prominent name on the label could be a town, a grape variety, or a producer. The geography and client of the nation is a, as diverse as its culture, from the chilly alpine era in the north to the southern tip of the boot that is on the same latitude as North Africa. The ABM mountain range runs down the center of the country, providing slopes of every conceivable altitude, soil drainage, and exposure, which is so important in winemaking. This produces a wide range of options and styles in Italian wine that are exciting as they are varied. Even the geographic region's consistency, each of the 20 regions and in its entity of its own, with certain powers that tend to stray from the national winemaking standards and laws. Each region is subdivided into provinces that take their names from the principal village they occupy. So Italian wines are marked in a classification system, and a lot of people don't understand this, so this is great that it kind of talks about this here. Um, the classification system has roots that dating back for centuries. The ancient Romans defined the original production areas, and in 1716, the Grand Duke of Tuscany redrew those zones, and they remained constant for the next few centuries. A brief period in the overall history of Italian wines. The governing body for quality designation in the Denunciation di Origine Controlla, which is the DOC, and you will see that on the bottles. This means the area in which the vines are grown and the wine is produced is a protected area. Wines of even higher quality are given a DOCG status, which stands for Denominazione di Origina Controlla Garantita, or guaranteed in the style in region of authenticity. And Italian DOC laws differ from the French counterparts in the AOC and that Italy requires aging of the wines at there are no premier grain crew or grain crew systems in place for classification. At this present time, there are over 300 DOC appellations, which account for approximately 20% of the total wine production and 25 DOCG um, wine appellations, over half of which are in two areas, Tuscany and Piedmont. The most recent laws from 1992 promoted much of the finer wine, Vina di Tavolo, table wine, to the category of Indicazione Geografica Tipica, which is IGT. Um, IGT designated wines are classified by color, grape, and varietal topology from the larger regions. With over 115 appellations, IGT wines are the Italian equivalent of the French Vinda Pay wines. Furthermore, all wines now carry on their labels, the wine generic name, producers' names and locations, alcohol content, and by volume and classification status. So we are going to talk about Tuscany and its wines when we come back on the other side of the break. This is La Bella Vita Show. This is Don Catherine We'll see you on the other side.
This is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. It's time to awaken your creativity and unlock your greatness by listening to The Nancy Pristine Show every Thursday from noon to 2 Central Time on Toginet.com. Nancy is also known as the Happiness and Well-Being Ambassador. She's an award-winning author and radio talk show host. And every week on The Nancy Pristine Show, you'll hear tips, stories, and tested techniques from celebrities, star athletes, and executive business people. People who have achieved greatness in their field. Everyone deserves the ultimate life. And now you can create your own success story and achieve a brand new you by listening to The Nancy Pristine Show. The intent of The Nancy Pristine Show is to give you everything you need for happiness, well-being, and success. For more on Nancy and the show, check out her website, Nancy Pristine. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot com. Then listen up. You will never settle for second best again. You're going to love The Nancy Pristine Show every Thursday from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time on toginet.com. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. <laughs> If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. This is Dawn Catherine. This is the Bella Vita Show. And we are going to talk to you about all the wines you can find in the beautiful area of Tuscany. Uh, one of the most beautiful romantic areas you could possibly go to um, when you visit Italy itself. So Italy, obviously, Tuscany is located in the heart of Italy, and it borders the Mediterranean Sea, and it's the fifth largest of Italy's 20 wine regions. While Florence is the administrative center of Tuscany, it's famously rolling countryside that produces the great wine. 68% of the region is officially classified as hilly. Only 8% of the land is flat. Hillside vineyards with altitudes of 150 to 500 meters supply the vast majority of the better quality wines. The Sangiovese vine, which is the backbone of the regional production, requires the concentration of sunlight that slopes can provide to ripen well in these latitudes. Growers value the significant temperature fluctuation between day and night as an important factor in developing its aromatic 
qualities. Uh, the Arno River marks the northern border for the cultivation of Sangiovese in Tuscany. The zone of Carmigiano, which virtually touches the river's bank, is predominantly planted with Sangiovese, but has earned its status as a DOCG zone which we just learned about that, which means it has a better status. And uh, based on the Cabernet Sauvignon that has been grown here since the 1700s, southward through the Chianti Classico Appalachian are the zones of Vino Noble di Multipulciano and Brunello di Malticino. Wines from this region become richer, full, more intense, and higher in alcohol. Malticino is only... Vita culture area of Tuscany, where Sangiovese has has always been fermented on its own. In the past, both Chianti and Vina Nobile were blended with Caniolo, Malvasia, and Trebbiano to soften the Sangiovese's youthful austerity. Winemaking standards and traditions in this area date back for over a thousand years. The earliest reference to wine retailers in the city dates from 1079. And in 1282, wine sellers formed a guild, the Art de Vinatieri, designed to regulate the trade and uphold its reputation. Giovanni di Piccio and Tenorini joined in 1385, a member of a noble family who continues to make and sell wine in Tuscany today. You can still go there and uh, go to an Antorini uh, vineyard. In an area best known as the Italian Center for Art, Language, and History and other significant contributions hail from Tuscany, the appreciation of the rest of the world, Chianti. Chianti towers over the region as the predominant wine with close to 24 million gallons produced in an abundant vintage. Chianti is Italy's largest single group of DOC wines, supplying 80% of the region's DOC-classified wines and almost a third of the total wine produced in Tuscany. Chianti has seven distinct, distinct subzones, Chianti Classico, Chianti Arantini, Chianti Fiorentini, Chianti Colossi, and so on and so on, and Chianti Rufina, which people know about pretty much. A wine made in any of these subzones may be wild by, labeled by the subzone name or simply as Chianti. Wines from Chianti Classico are considered to be of better quality and can usually be identified by a black rooster or a gallonero on the label. So, uh, in, in Tuscany, Brunello di Montecino and Rosso di Montecino are, are produced in villages of Montecino near the province of Siena, which is a beautiful area. The designated DOC region takes the name of the great Brunello, a clone of Sangiovese, which is a full-flavored antanic, along with Barolo and the Barbesco grape. Uh, Barello, Brunello is considered one of the great growths of Italy. The wines of this region have the longest aging requirements in Italy, five years, two and a half of which must be in wooden barrels. This vigorous and slightly better wine differs from Chianti in terms of being 100% Sangiovese, which I love, and full body with strong tannins. Brunello, which translate to little dark one, is one of the most expensive wines anywhere. Rosso di Malticino is made from the same great variety as Brunello and comes from the same vineyards. The difference other than the cost uh, in DOC designation are that the grapes are selected from younger vines and the vinification process. Rosso has fermentation time on the skins and requires one year of aging. It has the power and intensity of a Brunello, but it's younger and more vibrant and lighter bodied. This is particularly a good value in wine. 
So try the Malticino and uh, the Brunello. I think you'll um, you'll like them. And uh, they kind of have uh, hints of pepper and raisins and spiciness, and they're kind of earthy. So I do think that you'll like the Brunello di Malticino and the Rosso di Malticino. So the other ones is the Vino Nobile. Um, Di Multipulciano and Rosso di Multipulciano. The name Vino Nobile di Multipulciano derives from two facts. The ancient town of Multipulciano, which is beautiful, by the way, if you ever get to go there, please do, which sits atop a volcanic rock hill surrounded by several vineyards. And this historic mindset that this wine was to be served at the tables of the nobility proudly designates as the first DOCG. Italian law requires that these lines are barrel aged for at least one year and matured in a bottle for a minimum of three years before release. So that's a lot of aging. So you know the wine is going to be very good. This wine is more delicate and free than the more austere wines of Chianti Classico, but does resemble the medium to full body style of Chianti. Rosso di Multipulciano is made from the same Sangiovese grapes as Vino di Novo di Multipulciano and is in a similar style. Though they're usually lighter and ready to drink at a younger age, Rosso di Multipulciano shares the same vigorous attributes in medium body as well as the grape. It should not be confused with Multipulciano di Bruzzo, a red wine from the Bruzzi region that takes its name from the multi, uh, grape Multipulciano rather than the city of Multipulciano. So there's a little bit of a difference. So here, if you didn't know that, you learned something new today. So, all right, Chianti and the Super Tuscans. Now, if like you listen to me at all, you know that the Super Tuscans are my favorite. I love them to death. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those. Chianti is a blend first is what we're going to talk about. Uh, several grapes with Sangiovese representing at least 75% or more of the blend. With more than 200 classified vineyards producing Chianti Classico alone, the range of taste and style possible in Chianti is virtually limitless. Yet all of the wines share the personality of Sangiovese, dry and acidic with raspberry, blackberry, and spiciness. I love that. And... Uh, the most distinctive character of the grape is the sweet tart cherry fruit flavor. Richness and intensity varies, as do use of oak in the blends of other grapes such as Canaiolo, Cabernet Sauvignon, or the white Trebbiano or Malvasia. Sangiovese is an early and smoky feel to it. Uh, tobacco, herbal, spice, cherries, those are some of the flavors and aromas you'll smell. And uh, it's distinctively sweet and savory spices is what you are going to, uh, the flavors. It's, uh, there's different styles. Uh, Chianti is light. Tannin, when you young, light to medium body, and uh, then you have Chianti Classico, which is slightly more full-bodied, and um, then you have the Classico Reserver, which is the heaviest and highest-bodied and most complex of the Chiantis, laid with flavors, good balance between fruit and sugar, and the required aging is two years in a cask and three months in bottles, so I definitely like that. Uh, The longer that it stays... um, in the cask, and the longer that it's aged, the better I like my wine. So, 
Then we go on to the Super Tuscans, which is another one that I absolutely love. Super Tuscans are the rebel wines of Tuscany. Although classified as table wines, IGT, Super Tuscans in some cases precede wines with DOC and DOCG classifications based on the fact that they go against the grain of Italian winemaking. For starters, unapproved winemaking methods are used, such as aging in small, non-traditional oak barrels and the use of varietals such as Merlot, Syrah, and Cabernet. Sauvignon. Super Tuscans were first developed in the late 1960s and early 70s, initially only as an experiment, sort of just for curiosity or someone like me who likes to blend wines, because that's what she likes to do. Um, but why make a Piero Interini um, in Tenori made the first Super Tuscan wines in the mid-70s when he released two wines that excluded the white grapes, Trebbiano and uh, Alvesia, which is required for producing a Chianti wine. He named the new wines Tignanello and Sassiesta. Uh, Antoninarini further agitated the establishment, which, you know, he did very much because he really kind of stirred up the way that wines were made um, by blending Sandiavese with the prohibited Shocking Cabernet Sauvignon. And the political powers of the Chianti forbade Antonini from calling these new wines Chianti. However, the wine's exclusion from DOC status created only more interest. Uh, the Tignanello and the Sassaccio almost immediately became the most sought after inexpensive wines of Tuscany. Other producers rushed to join the party, and a new category was born Super Tuscan. And thank God for them because. I love me some Super Tuscan wine. Cabernet Sauvignon is the grape most often used to blend with Sangiovese, but the fact that there are no rules, some Super Tuscans use um, use Merlot or Syrah often in higher percentages than Sangiovese itself, or even exclude Sangiovese altogether. The common denominators seem to be small production, intensely fruity, rich, thick texture, and very high prices. And high prices, they are. My favorite, Super Tuscan, I don't even want to tell you how much it is a bottle. It's insane, but so worth it. The startling results obtained in such all Cabernet wines, including Sangiovese Cabernet blends such as Tina Nanello, have established these Super Tuscans as a fundamental category in the overall Tuscan pitchers. Only a few estates in Chianti have failed to join in the scramble to produce a wine of this prestigious type. And small barrel maturation now extended to Sangiovese has yielded a new style of Tuscan wine. Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Mobile is the future, and the future is now. 
Listen in each week, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 Central, to Brilliant Mobile Marketing with your host, Mobile Mary, as we simplify the hottest marketing channel, Mobile Marketing, and share secrets on how you can use mobile to be more brilliant, be more profitable, and have more fun in your industry. Join us each week to learn from brilliant business leaders on how to simply and easily capture a list of raving fans and turn them into loyal customers. This show will help business owners, authors, and speakers realize their own brilliance by tapping into the insights of fellow brilliant business leaders. We will also showcase brilliant tools, both traditional and digital, that will make you more brilliant in everything you do. Don't miss your date with Brilliant Mobile Marketing and your host, Mobile Mary, America's mobile marketing expert, as she shares her success strategies every Tuesday from 4 to 5 Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach, Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. You love Italian food. You admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense. You love travel and luxury destinations and resorts. This is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. This is Dawn Catherine. This is La Bella Vita show. And we are taking a nice little tour through the beautiful area of Tuscany and um, kind of giving you a little bit of an education on the wines and uh, the different grapes that they use and how they are made to make some of these incredible wines that you find in the amazing area of Tuscany, one of my favorite in the world. And uh, so we're going to go to the Marques region, which is part of central Italy. It's kind of to the side of, um, on the other side of Tuscany. Um, it's in central Italy that borders the Adriatic Sea on the east and lies between Emilia Romana and Abruzzi. It contains 10 DOC areas that produce about 12% of the region's total wine output. Uh, the DOCs include Rosso Canero, Rosso Piceno, which let me tell you something, if you've never tried a Rosso Piceno, do yourself a flavor and go out and get some. It is such a great wine, such a, that region, I've actually been there and have spent some time there. They have some really great wines in that region. So uh, if you ever see a Rosso Piceno, definitely pick yourself up a bottle. Uh, they also have Red, uh, Verdicchio di Castelli and Verdicchio di 
Metallica. Multipulciano and Sangiovese are primarily red grapes in Malvasia. Trebbiano and Verdicchio are the main white varieties. The most famous wine of this region is Verdicchio, traditionally sold in green amphora-shaped bottles. The use of cold fermentation and stainless steel has become widespread among the premium producers of Verdicchio. This dry, crisp white wine, when produced properly, is fantastic with citrus fruit flavors and a touch of minerality and a fresh grassy aroma. So to me, this would be more of a wine that you'd probably want to have during the summertime because it's very light, crispy, and airy. And uh, then, of course, in that same area, you have beautiful Umbria, which I have been so fortunate to be able to have driven through Umbria several years ago by myself. It was fun. Uh, this area is a definite wine-producing region, which is bordered by Tuscany and the east of Marques, so it really lies in between, right in between. And uh, some of Italy's most famous wines, like the whites from from Orvieto DOC come from Umbria and there are seven other DOCs in this hilly region including Alto Tiberini, uh, Trimisano, Perugini, Montefalco, Torgiano, as in Tuscany a fair amount of the Vin Santo is made here. Umbria's most popular grapes are Trebbiano, Grisetto and Malvasia for white wines and Sangiovese Saliglio, Canelo, and Sangrentino for red wine and rosé wines. Umbria has a topography and climate similar to Tuscany, but without any maritime influence. Historically, Umbria is known for the white wines from Orvieto. The finest red wine produced in this region is Torgiano. It's a DSC. The Reserva of Torgiano has been awarded a DSCG status. And the red wine is made with a traditional Chianti blend of Sangiovese and Canaglio. So... Umbria is a great little winemaking area, so if you ever happen to be traveling through, go visit some of the lovely little vineyards in the area and do some wine tastings. And I encourage you to, when you're in Tuscany, to go to some of these different regions, you know, go to Chianti region, go into Tuscany, go into Chianti, go into Umbria, go into Marquet and taste the different wines and you really can taste the difference in the wines and especially it all comes down to the photography of the area we've talked about it several times you know in Tuscany you have these great hills and just those variations of the mountains and the, these hills that allow the grapes to, to mature and to get different types of amount of sun exposure and it, it really makes a difference in the wines and how they taste it really is amazing so you'll be able to taste those if you do a nice tastings throughout the region of Tuscany so I highly recommend it um, Latium is another wine-producing region, which is located on central Italy's western coast. Rome is the hub of this region, and its vineyard area spread out 
in all directions. White wine is a dominant in Latium, and uh, it's also called Lazio in Italian. And it represents about 90% of the total production. The most popular white varieties are Trebbiano and Malvasia, which are found in some form throughout most of the region. They primarily Red varieties are Cisnes, Sangiovese, Melo, Multipulciano. Latum contains 16 DOC areas, including Severteri, Albani, Lavinvi, and uh, Montefiascione, Frescati, Marino, Montecampicolona, and Velletri. And I just want all of you to try to say those in a row without stumbling over it, just saying. <laughs> um, as Italian as I am, even though that uh, I've been saying Italian names my whole entire life, sometimes when you ramble so many in a row, it just is too many O's and I's for one person to handle at one time. Um, anyway, white wines dominate this region. Frascati is the most known DOC. The better white wines with the most character tend to be those which Malvasia predominates. This state has a long history dating... Um, Latum has a long history of making these um, wines. They go back centuries. Um, you can find vines that were date back to the 1600s in that area. So the next area that we're going to go to is one of my favorites as well, Abruzzo. And uh, Abruzzi is a very mountainous region located east of Rome on the Adriatic Sea, about midway down the coastline. The main grape variety used for white wines is Trebbiano. See, you guys are learning to get these names over and over and over again. By the time we're done with the show, you are going to know every single grape that is in every single wine, and you're going to be able to say, I think that Trebbiano is in that Chianti, and I think that Trebbiano is in this one. So you're going to know a lot. Um, but there are a multitude of other white grapes allowed, in, <laughs> including Bombino, Bianco, and uh, my uh, producer just asked me, are you sure that I will, and um, I guarantee you, yes. After all of these shows of listening to me talked about wine, you're going to know a little bit about wine. So, um, Bombino Bianco, which Bianco was the name of one of my dogs, uh, Malvasio and Pinot Grigio. Multipulciano is the main grape for Rosso and Rosato, followed by Sangiovese. There are two DOCs in this area, Trebbiano d'Abruzzo and Multipulciano d'Abruzzo. The red and whites of Abruzzo are fantastic values and are produced in an everyday drinking style. In general, most of the red wines are fresh, lower in acidity, filled with fruit and light and tannins. So Abruzzo has some really great wines, and I think you will really, really enjoy them. So, you know, we are going to be going over some of these wines, and I'm going to feature one of these uh, one of these vineyards that's in this area, and I chose this one that I think is, if you definitely get to go to this area, that you really should try to go to some of these different um, 
vineyards, but this one in particular, I think is a good one. And uh, Cantina Bellini is located in Rafina. It's a village in Tuscany, about 30 kilometers from Florence. The village-bound areas follow the contours of the Pamino, Acone, and Fiesoli Hills. Here, vineyards and olive groves are interspread with towers and castles that bear witness to centuries of history. This zone is the smallest of the seven designated geographic zones for Chianti and is characterized by hilly terrain with steep slopes and sandy limestone soil. The Bellini family, which... FYI, Bellini is named my dog, just to let you know. Uh, the Bellini family has owned land in the Rafina area for many generations. Their winery was founded in the second half of the 1800s by the great-great-grandparents uh, of the current owners. In the 1950s, Carlo Bellini guided the winery in new directions by participating in trade fairs and establishing a marketing network to distribute Bellini wines in countries all over the world. Today, Cantina Bellini relies on the new generation, nephews Maurizio Masi, an aunt, and her daughter Alessandra, who have expanded and modernized, modernized the winery and its business practices. And uh, so this magnificent estate, Iposo, has recently been restored. The villa's original building is a farmhouse dating back to the 16th century. And uh, it's a uh, great little place, so and you can go and have some wine there and check it out. So go and visit Cantina Bellini and Rafina. I think you will really, really enjoy it. And go see the magnificent estate of Il Pozzo in the lovely region of Rafina. So I hope that you have enjoyed a little bit of this history about the wines in in Tuscany because I think that they, it's, it's such an important area of winemaking and I personally think some of the best wines come from that region myself. We are. So last week we went over, if you didn't hear the show, we did have some technical issues with our show last week, so hopefully you can hear most of it. But we talked about the Piedmont area and the Northeast wines and the Veneto, that whole area. Now we've covered Central Italy. We're going to have another show. Uh, coming up shortly, we're going to go over some of the southern wines. We'll go down to Sicily. We'll do some of the vineyards that are out on, on the islands and uh, go over those. So you will learn a little bit more as time comes uh, some of the other regions uh, and also down in the boot in Puglia you'll be surprised what great wines come from that region so I hope you've enjoyed this show I want to give thanks to my producer Anna down in uh, there in Texas and uh, I guess I will have to say um, congratulations on your Cowboys winning and the Giants losing yay for the Giants losing because I really don't like them yay for you know me losing my first football pool bet. Anyway, this is Don Catherine. This is the Bella Vita show. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being a part.